I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. To Canto by Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and unfortunately we do not have Emily here with me today. Uh, she's sick. She'll be back next week though. Uh, but I had to get in some help this week and I found America's sweetheart to help me out. So here he is. Rusty Brown. Hi Rusty. Yes. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? <sighs> I'm good. We just had some technical difficulties so... I'm relieved that you're here. Oh, yeah, me too. Thank goodness. I know. you had. We had to go through, what, three computers to finally get you to the right one? <laughs> yep. Three computers. But we managed to get it already. I know. We started off with your desk. No, your laptop and then your desktop. And then yeah. dad's laptop. But speaking of laptops, um, I wanted to get Carlos here to record with us, but unfortunately, he lives in the Stone Age and does not own a laptop. Yeah, what kind of freaking person doesn't own a laptop? God dang it, Carlos. Jeez, he pisses me off, dude. He agrees like to come on the podcast, and then like last minute, he's like, oh, no, I don't have, I don't have a laptop. And it's like, Carlos, what the heck? God darn it. Shit. <laughs> You can't say that, though, because people... Okay, so if if you guys don't know this, Rusty's written a script for the Sith list where they just all oh, mess around. Gosh. And people have reached out to me to... I don't I forget who else. They reached out to people, and they really don't think that you... you know, <laughs> Carlos, uh, Carlos is my buddy. We get along. He's my buddy. I, I, can, I can confirm that they do have a bromance. All right, uh, so uh, we don't really have much news this week. Uh, we're kind of waiting. Okay, so it is, what day is it? It's Wednesday night at 8.30, and the Brez is supposed to release something or some article or something around like 9, so we're kind of waiting around for that. But we have some stuff to talk about until that happens, but who even knows if it has something to do with Star Wars or I think it's Galaxy's Edge. Because there's been some Galaxy's Edge stuff that's been, like, popping out recently. And I think I found the perfect person to talk to Galaxy's Edge stuff about because um, Rusty is like me. We go to the theme parks together most of the time. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do, actually. Yeah, very good. Before that, um, Ursa, you haven't been on the podcast for a couple episodes. What have you been, what have you been up to the past, uh, God, uh, year and a half? Has it been a year and a half, really? I think so. No. I No. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been up to that much stuff. Just working, going to school, doing the whole thing like that. When's the last time you went to Chili's? Oh, gosh. Are we going to start this already? Four minutes and 30 seconds into this, we're going to start about talking about Chili's. Uh, uh, when's the last time we went? I think it was when I was celebrating uh, graduating. So, like, in December? Yeah, we haven't been we haven't been since uh, December, yeah. Probably like a week before Christmas. That's been the last time we went, but no. Okay, I, and I just yeah. I just want to clarify something. Okay, my name gets thrown out a lot on other podcasts, how like I'm obsessed with Chili's and everything like that. And people think I go to Chili's like every other day of the week. But like I haven't been to Chili's in a, such a long time. So um, that that preconceived notion about me is slowly fading away. Yeah, but you, you can't say that because literally we have people tagging us in posts asking about where the Chili's meetup is going to be at Celebration. Like, you know that we have to host that. Are you kidding me? I'll uh. host it. I don't I don't care. I like planning stuff. I mean, it stresses me out, but I'm here for the stress. Yeah, it's all because of that stupid steak. Okay, so uh, describe this because for our new listeners... Uh, just describe what happened. Where we? Where were we? What was going on? Okay. Uh, so it was uh, Thursday night. It was the night of the solo premiere. I don't know. It was like May twenty fourth. It was uh, the day before your birthday. Yeah, May twenty fourth. And uh, we're gonna go see uh, solo with a whole bunch of our friends uh, from Twitter. Um, and so right across the street, there's a Chili's. And so we wanted to kind of grab some food beforehand and head over there and kind of eat, get relaxed a little bit, hang out with everyone, see, shoot the shit a little bit with them. And um, so we all order. There's probably about maybe about 20 of us. So it was a very big table. And, of course, we were the biggest table there right in the middle. And so we had a waitress coming back and forth with um, all of our food. And um, go like going back, like I set up all this and stuff. And so I made the reservation. I got like the party list and everything like that. And so everyone comes, everyone orders your food. And so my buddy Raj and I, we ordered the two for 22. Describe the two for 22 for me. Well, the two for 22, you get your entree, you get a appetizer. Okay. Yeah. And so for entree, Araj and I got chips. Then he got the bacon burger. I think that's what he got. Then I decided to get that eight ounce steak, but I paid an extra four dollars to get the twelve ounce steak, which I always get. And so food starts coming out. Haas gets his food. Jesse gets her food. Will gets his food. Boo, you all you guys get your food. And everyone's starting to eat, and my food hasn't came out yet. Down at the end of the table, Steele and all his friends, they're all done with their food. And my food hasn't even came out yet and stuff. And so, like, the word starts going around at the table. And before you know it, it's thinking that we have, like, 20 minutes left until the movie. And my food has not came out. And I'm starting to get upset. We asked the waitress, and they forgot to put the steak in. She forgot. <laughs> and so, I think after that, it come, my food comes, like, five minutes later. 
and I have to literally scarf down the steak in like three or four bites. And oh come on! You act like that's a problem. That's not a problem for you. You can eat a Wait, steak I, in one minute. Jeez, <laughs> why? What? Why would I come on the podcast if you start criticizing me, Brittany? Oh gosh. Well, going back to the story, Brittany. The the moral of the story is I was very mad at Chili's for a long time. A lot of podcasts cover that story, and I was a little bit upset. And this is my first time publicly speaking about the event since May. And you can still tell my frustration about the matter. Yeah, but the weight was worth the steak, right? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (sighs) Well, hopefully that won't happen the next time we go to Chili's for a uh, Star Wars movie reunion. Hopefully not. I've been getting the chicken fajitas ever since because I'm scared it's going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, But we do have a question about Chili's from oh, some of our listeners um oh. our friend rashad from will communication asks oh great what qualities make a good chilies a great chilies he would ask that too and i love that man i love that Me man too. so much ah what qualities makes chilies a great chilies well not every chilies is a great chilies i have to start off with that that one right next to the Honda Center there was not a great Chili's. Great Chili's is a Chili's where they get your food out on time. They come by. They refill your chips. They refill your sodas. This episode of Candlebite Dispatch is just basically a white boy complaining about Chili's for an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we got 14 minutes to spare until that article comes out. So I think I can banter on for another 14 minutes about something. Oh, no. Don't worry. I have some more things to talk about. Um uh-oh. Simon from Slicer's Hollow Nut asks, "Why is Rusty so amazing and how does he feel about Applebees?" Why why is why am I so amazing? Uh Simon mm-hmm. Simon's a very nice individual. I can't say that I am amazing because that would sound really selfish of me and I don't really want to sound someone like that. But I can answer why Simon is so amazing is that he has a great podcast and he's a great individual. And whenever I see him, he has a big old smile on his face. He gives me a big hug. And he's one of those people in this fandom who's always energetic and willing to help people out. So that's why he's amazing. That's really sweet. Good old Simon. I'm friends with him on Facebook and he has a picture of his pugs, man. Oh, they're so cute. I know. I was just going to say that his pugs are really cute. I'm afraid of pugs, but his look really cute. What? Yeah, because Audrey has that pug that makes those like deathly noises, and that always scared me when they're I go over breathing, to her house. They're breathing, Brittany. But oh they sound gosh. like they're dying. I feel bad. Then if they sound like they're dying, go and help them. Oh my goodness, Brittany. Jeez. Gosh, we have to have a talk about integrity after this. Yeah. Oh um. My all right. Uh, we have some uh, celebration news. Uh, they are doing a Phantom Menace panel at Celebration on the very last day, which is Monday, the fifteenth, I believe. Let me check the calendar because I know that we're going to be there. Yeah, it's the fifteenth. Perfect. I wanted to make sure. I know my calendar. I'm looking at my calendar right now, and it's like so full for some reason. Like, uh, all my Apple products make it so that holidays are shown, like, 15 times. So, I'm reminded three times that tax day is on the 15th. Yeah, my celebration did that, too, with all my flights. But uh, how do you feel about this Phantom Menace panel? 
I definitely think it's going to be fun. They're going to bring out a lot of people, and they're going to bring out Ewan. They're going to bring out... I. It would be cool if Frank was there, Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson would be there, maybe Jake Lloyd. I don't know if he'll be there. Ahmed Best, maybe. I really don't think it's going to be anything like the 40th anniversary special. Yeah, I mean, John Williams could come out and do a segment like the Duel of Fates, something like that. Hmm. But I don't think it's going to be anything as special as the 40th. But it's going to be very entertaining for the people that go. And if I go, I think I'll have a good time. But I think it's just going to be mediocre, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're a little too optimistic, though. Like, I don't think that Samuel Jackson will be there. I don't think that John Williams will do anything. And I don't know, like, to be honest, I don't really think much is going to happen. I think that they just made this panel on a Monday just so that all the tickets sell out because they just put something today that the final day to get the tickets not at will call is today for Monday tickets. So I think they're just trying to avoid that. Yeah, I've I was never a big fan of episode one. Um, I mean, I I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. It's a Star Wars movie. Of course, I'm going to like it. It was never my favorite, so I really don't see myself going to this panel. But um, if everyone decides to go, yeah, it would be fun to go. But waiting overnight in this line and that panel, I honestly don't think it's going to be worth it if they're just going to bring out the people and talk. I think there's going to be much bigger and better panels than that. And it's a last day celebration, and I'm probably sure that we're all going to be uh, pretty burned out going back and forth, back and forth and spending all our time there. And maybe that Monday, it would be a good time to rest and kind of hang out a little bit before we go home. I guess, because I believe that where we're staying is a little far from the convention center. Um, 8.9 miles. And it's just south of where we are. I love how you have that memorized. That's so rusty. I have I have the street memorized. I have the location memorized. I have how to get there memorized. I'm on top of it, Brittany. Hmm. Yes. Uh, we also have another uh, celebration question from Rashad. Mm-hmm. What is your number one thing you want to see at celebration? Panel, trailer, collectibles, anything? Uh, hands down, episode nine panel, without a doubt. J.J. Abrams walking out and kind of revealing what he did um, with the 2015 celebration, bringing out the cast, bringing out like the newbies and everyone like that. Um, I honestly don't think anything is going to compare to that panel. It's going to be the best panel. It's going to be the biggest panel and I'm sure they're going to kind of give us a kind of premature um, poster. They're going to definitely show a, if not a trailer, they're going to show, what are you laughing about? <laughs> premature poster? <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> what? Premature? Yeah, it's a premature poster. It's not a fully mature poster like the ones you see down in the movies. Just a teaser uh, poster. Yeah, you could say that too, without a doubt. Um, but I honestly don't think anything's going to compare to this. It's going to be the biggest panel. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I keep retweeting. Um, Brezkin just tweeted, okay, here we go. Time for force feeding. So it's nine o'clock now. So. Okay. I wish that's weird. I was just on his account. I didn't see anything. Yeah. Okay. So something's about to come, but keep going. Then if something pops up, I'll let you know. So, Galaxy's Edge, the Galaxy's Edge, I don't know why I said the, some <laughs> costumes were revealed. So, I guess last night, so Tuesday night, Disneyland had a costume preview of what the cast members are going to wear at Galaxy's Edge. Did you get that tweet that I sent you? Yes. I saw all the pictures and everything. What'd you think? 
It looks cool. It look it does look very Star Wars with the First Order troops. Um, to it looks like the Resistance, and um, just kind of what the cast members are going to be wearing it, like Q lines walking around. I think it's going to look very outcasty. It's going to look very different, and that's something that's going to make Star Wars Land better. Yeah, they look really comfortable. I mean, okay, so I'm going to try to describe this. They look very thing. comfortable. <laughs> so no, the first so they, thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, honestly, they're going to be working like 8 to 12 hours a day maybe. I mean, you'd want to be in like some sort of comfortable clothing. Like oh, yeah. one of the pictures you see some people in kind of like earthy tone colors of like a vest and like a shirt and some pants. And then you see a dude with a, how would you describe that hat? Kind of, it kind of looks like Zuvio's hat. Breaking news from out of this world, food to amazing adventures discovered a Delights in store at Disney's Galaxy's Edge. Hmm. Okay. Uh, do you have the link? Uh, yeah, it's on Twitter. This is what D23 just tweeted. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, Brezik hasn't tweeted anything, but I want to see what he says. I'm sure it's the same thing. Yeah. Your first look at Disney's Galaxy's Edge. There we go. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere, folks. Okay, so um, I'm going to like start reading some random places. Okay, so when you walk into a store in Galaxy's Edge, it won't look, it won't look like any typical Disney gift shop. Many of the stores will have auto-automatronic characters from races and species that only exist within Star Wars. Points of sale won't look like traditional retail counters with cash registers. Disney cast members will wear uniforms that look something like you'd see extras wearing in the movies and will play roughly sketched characters that ensure they don't break the illusion. Instead of listing their hometowns or countries in English, their name tags will be mostly written in Arabish, a common language in the Outer Rim. Okay, so it seems like they're hiring people to, like, act. Hey guys, I'm oh, what the heck? Want to get paid faster? Send an invoice. What are you listening to? I'm so It just popped up. I'm sorry. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Rise of the Resistance will feature Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Adam Driver. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Let's start with Chapter 2 first. Alright, Chapter 2. It was the night before Christmas. No, wrong story. <laughs> oh my goodness. I cracked myself up way too much. Okay. Sorry, I'm reading, folks. Sorry, just stay with me. Don't turn us off, please. They probably have already turned us off. Probably. I don't know. Okay, what chapter are you on right now? Because, okay, so if you are on the website, um, Entertainment Weekly, uh, Anthony Bresican wrote an article and he puts, it's basically seven chapters worth of uh, Star Wars stuff. All right, do you want to start um, on chapter, let's start chapter one. Let's kind of go in order. Okay, you read chapter one. Emily is going to listen to this and kill me because she's very structured and I'm very not. Mm-hmm. All right. So chapter one just is basically talking about the Millennium Falcon smugglers run right at Disney parks. Uh, your approach to the same perspective that Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan had when they laid their eyes on Han Solo and Chewbacca's right for the first time in original Star Wars. You'll be more impressed than they were, but this is still not the Falcon in peak physical condition. It's pocketed with blaster burns and the thrusters are grasping to activate. It's a little worse to wear. You're going to hear engines trying to turn over as they reactivate 
uh, some of the systems. Occasionally, visitors will hear a familiar walking carpet on a rooftop or crouching beneath the undercarriage to supervise restora- restoration. Can't speak. The battle damage, it's buffs right out. Uh, what else is there? Han Solo no longer with us, but the Porgs are. Chewie has partnered with the space pirate Hondo Anaka, a charming scoundrel from the Clone <laughs> Wars and Rebels animated shows, no to fund refurbishment of the Falcon while using it to run contraband through the galaxy. That's... Okay, I was hearing rumors about this. I think Araj is telling me about this, and I'm like, there's no fucking way that they're going to bring Hondo into this. And Hondo? Jeez. All right. Uh, the ship is parked facing outward with its engines flanking a curved loading dock embedded in the mountainside of the frames like Black Spire Outpost. Uh, Casablanca like crossroads for this real world chapter of the Star Wars story is set inside the mountain ship. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't feel like reading. Um, okay. Getting aboard. One thing that Disney Parks officials will not discuss is how they plan to manage crowds. <laughs> Are you <laughs> of kidding they me? Don't. Dude, oh my I have this gosh. argument all the time. I have this argument, all the this one-sided argument, because Emily's poor Emily has to listen to me talking about Disney parks every single episode. You know how but big this park someone... is going to be, and they haven't found a way to limit lines. They're never going to. But I mean, hey, you're you're paying for it. I, it's a lot. Like I kind of don't blame the park officials because. I don't even know how the hell they would manage crowds. No, you know? there's so there's absolutely I, nothing they can do about it. Nothing. Yeah. Okay, but they did outline how they plan to make the long wait for smugglers run more entertaining for visitors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like the Indiana Jones ride, the Millennium Falcon line will zigzag through passageways in storage rooms that serve as prologue to take off. The line starts at ground level, curves around the back of the Falcon, so visitors can get a closer look from that perspective. From there, you climb the stairs that lead to catwalks circling the mechanic shop where other ships and engines are under repair. Visitors are likely to cluster around these, squeezing for a glimpse of photo, but around the next corner, the line bends to a bank of a picture of a window with a long, obstructed view of the top of the Falcon and the top of the Black Spire outpost beyond. So, when's the last time you went to Disneyland? Maybe December? Or Jan- oh, J- the early January. Yeah, early January. So, what they've started doing now to start entertaining kids and people through lines is that they have this Disney play app. And you get to interact with, like, let's say, like, you're riding for Splash Mountain. Like, you can do, like, little Space Mountain games on your phone or something. So, for Galaxy's Edge, uh, the Disney Play app on smartphones will allow visitors to scan shipping crates, revealing the true contents of what Hondo is trying to send around the galaxy. Yeah, that's going to keep me entertained for six hours. (laughs) I know. Um, You also can meet Hondo Naka. Hondo (laughs) is a smuggler's... Yeah. A complete onboard businessman. He's he's got cargo to move. He's got ships to fly. Don't ask about the cargo. Don't ask where he got the ships. The alien, despite a long time of desperation, the figure looming over you is a state of the art animatronic with dialogue delivered in a signature Russian Caribbean accent by Winnie the Pooh actor Jim Cummings, who performed Hondo in uh, animated Star Wars shows. That was him, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I guess so. Hey, Brittany, name a famous Willy. <laughs> Willy the Pooh. Willy the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, slight spoiler. Using the Disney Play apps to scan shipping crates along the wait line will reveal that he's running blasters to help the resistance. So, he's not all that bad. Oh, so he's a good guy now. 
Yeah, but I guess like he's going to be like animatronic in the ride. Kind of like, uh, I'm thinking of Rocket on the... Um... Oh, or like 3PO on Star Tours. Yeah. All right. Um, while the Hondo animatronic assesses a room full of would-be smugglers, his assistant, uh, Astrodroid R528, summons the Falcon. In the windows behind Hondo, which are usually a video screen, you'll see the Falcon rise up to his place in courtyard and lower down into the interior docking back. <gasps> Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Chapter 2 is so good. Oh my goodness. Okay, there's no reading ahead on my podcast. No, it's okay. I'd be excited too. Um, the mission. The final moments of waiting to be just as exciting as the ride itself. After consulting with Hondo, guests will be led down a jet bridge to a familiar location, the Falcon's chess room. Um, at this point, guests have already been assigned to a flight group in number. Hondo and Shui need two pilots, two gunners, and two flight engines for each engineers for each Holy run. Holy shit. The operator will call out the number of each group when it's time for takeoff. In the meantime, you'll be able to free roam and roam around the cabin. Ooh. Jesus, dude. That's... Are you still reading chapter no, two? No, I'm listening to you. Um, and reading chapter two. Okay, stop reading chapter two. Because I want to read chapter two, but I'm reading No, right we now. agreed that you were reading chapter one and I was reading chapter two. Play, play it back. I can't do that right now. Well, okay. Um, let, me, let me continue. Okay, I'm almost done with chapter one and I'll get to chapter two. Okay, the Smuggler's Run has a choose-your-own-adventure quality that, that allows your actions to determine the outcome of the mission. Yeah, I've known, we've, we've fucking known this since, what, May? Watch um, your language. Dude, we're explicit on iTunes. You guys, are a, fam- you guys are a family-friendly podcast. All children listen to this from ages like K through like 49. Okay. Um, they really are in control of the ship. It's a completely interactive experience. If gunners don't fire and hit the TIE fighter, maybe you'll get some shocks to take some damage on the ship, then you gotta fix it. Okay, that's why don't let your fucking kid <laughs> control the ship. Oh, mama, mama, we're going downhill. That's the job of your flight engineers <laughs> seated in the back who have to push buttons to extinguish fires. Dude, Sting- I don't know. I feel like there has to be a high limit on this ride because if your kid's controlling the Falcon, like, y'all gonna die. <laughs> and if pilots don't fly a- right to avoid the oncoming mountains, your ship is going to smash into the wall. <laughs> you're truly in control of what happens on your mission. Okay, wait, um, wait, wait. So you're telling me I wait for six hours. And I get put and make I def, there's probably gonna be single rider, and so I get put with a kid, and so and the kid's gonna crash the ship. <laughs> he crashes the ship, and I waited six hours for nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I don't know, that's that's gonna be interesting. Oh my, that would piss me off so much. Oh my gosh. I guess that's really the experience of, all right, each time is different. You can have a really good pilot or you can have a really bad pilot. All right. um, Okay, so question arises. Will there be any hint of L3, Lando's droid pilot, who, whatever, you know the story. And then it said, there's actually some interesting things to discover in the cockpit. Hmm. But we did see some concept art of the Falcon flying through a giant beast... Other than that, the details of the mission are yet to be revealed. 
All right, that's the end of chapter one. We have six more chapters to go, and I'm <laughs> gonna and I'm gonna start with chapter two. All right, so this is all about the Rise of the Resistance ride. And so, um, a roll through the woods. This is where the queue line is going to start. And so, from the looks of it, this is going to be with Anaheim. It looks like this is going to be the um, western western part of the of the galaxy's edge. So, right over in like the same location as um, Thunder Mountain and um, Splash Mountain, all the way back there. And the queue starts outside, actually. And the ride is inside under all those ruins. So it's going to be near the A-Wing and the X-Wing are going to be. There's going to be park ships outside of that as well. And so um, the area is called the Ancient Ruins. And so then once they get inside, that's when a little bit of everything changes. Just like you, they're going to they play Disney Park app on their phones. It's going to be a long ride. But once you get in, this is when the ride starts. The Resistance Control Center. Um, they said the good guys aren't very careful with ancient archaeology sites. They use laser torches to carve open the ruins to create a uh, wider space for their blasters, arsenal, and flight equipment. As you enter the heart of Resistance Command, a familiar droid appears, BB-8. He comes bearing a hologram of Daisy Ridley's ray, telling visitors they have to board a transport soon for a mission led by Mr. Poe Dameron. Ooh, okay, so this gets a little interesting. Um, act 1 plot twist. From there, the door opens, and guests are hustled out past Dameron's signature, Black X-Wing, and into the cargo bay, and uh, uh, into the cargo bay of a transport flown by another well-known Star Wars figure, Neem Nub. <laughs> yes! That's my boy. A Solston, uh, Solston alien co-pilot who helped Lando Calrissian and blow up the second Death Star. That's my man right there. <laughs> So we're actually going to, um, animatronic version of his character is going to come up. Hey, Nino, what's up? Gotta be that. That's what he's going to say, something like that. Okay, so this is where it gets interesting, the takeoff. Once the transport door closed, visitors watch on monitors as they are cleared to take off. Before the ship rises, Isaac emerges from the control center and climbs into his X-Wing, continuing to communicate with Nub as your ship lifts off in space. Before long, the convoy is intercepted by first order star destroyer poe can't fight it on his own so he has to retreat promising to help come back so that's when he says all right guys this one's on you and so he takes off something like star tours does so tractor beam's gonna pull you up and when the doors open oh my gosh are you kidding so and when the doors open guests are standing in a giant auditorium sized first order hangar filled with scores of stormtroopers and hung with the tie fighter along the walls do you think this is going to be a 3d ride they would tell us if it's a 3D ride. You know how big that's going to be? There's no there's no way. Oh my gosh. And so um these stormtroopers are it's like your prisoners now. They're going to say like move along resistance scum. But that's that's the way the first order is going to treat you. They're the bad guys. Oh really? Yes. Okay. So moving on from there, the visitors are hustled in a room similar to the one where Kylo Ren once tortured Poe Dameron. Something I find really interesting is that Disney Parks officials won't say exactly how long the Rise of the Resistance lasts, but they say it's not the 28 minutes that have been rumored online. Oh, gosh. So once you flee the interrogation room, you board a trackless cart that will guide you through the rest of the ride, guiding through um, the hangar that contains two towering AT-ATs, um, and eventually bring you face-to-face -face with Mr. Kylo Ren. Um, exactly how he and Finn appear on the ride is still under wraps, but Imagineers confirm that Driver and Boyega are involved with bringing the characters to life. 
It's unclear the, um, how the ride will conclude, but it's safe to assume it ends up returning you to Black Spire Outpost and um, most likely the wreckage of a giant starship where scrape merchant Savvy, the local secret lightsaber builder, is known to recovering materials. Jeez, that ride is going to be mm. crazy. Okay, so looking at chapter three, Galaxy's Edge can unlock. Okay, oh, you get to read chapter three. Chapter four is boring. Play Disney Parks app. Your phone unlocks the action inside Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it's pretty boring, in my opinion. I don't like really using my phone much at Disneyland, anyways, other than like getting fast passes. So I mean, like, but at the same time, what are you gonna do to make the time go by? No, fast? you could talk with one another just like they did in freaking nineteen fifty and sixty and all the other times before cell phones were existed. Ooh. All right, how Disney theme parks make Galaxy's Edge part of the Star Wars storyline? We want to give the impression that this planet has always been around and that we're coming to it as travelers for the first time on Batuu. There are layers and layers of history and all the other characters familiar and new who have come and gone to this planet. First Order recently sent a garrison here seeking something. We don't know what they're trying to find, but we know a little about the stormtroopers who are doing the hunting. Okay, so I, I think it's interesting that they're like having like a story kind of based around like Galaxy's Edge. But, I mean, if they just, like, gave us a Star Wars land and said, like, here you go, I'd be like, okay, cool. But it's like they're adding so much stuff to this. So part of me wants to be, like, surprised on what they're doing. But at the same time, part of me is just, like, kind of, like, critical being, like, how are they going to Let me ask you, off? do you think Batu is going to be in the end of Episode Nine, Or do you think it's gonna, they're going to mention it at least? Like, oh, we're, we have to go somewhere. Oh, Batu. I, I honestly, have they said what it, it's like an outer, um, a planet in the Outer Rim? I don't know yet. Maybe I, mean, yeah. I would be surprised by that. All right. There are some stories to be told about these folks and why they live or why they're here and what they came looking for and, or who they came looking for. The elite squad from the First Order has arrived on a new ship, the TIE Echelon, which has a cockpit similar to Kylo Ren's uh, shuttle and the curved foils of Darth Vader's TIE Fighter Advanced X-1. Life-size version of the TIE Fighter is parked in the First Order-controlled sector of Black Spire Outpost near one of the entrances of the land. Don't try to touch it. Of course. All right. The alien language. That's another part of this chapter. Early concepts designs from Lucasfilm showed Batuu with a jagged geography, which also helps block out the views from nearby Earth structures. And the writers reacted to the illustrations by asking questions that eventually became canon. And what of these spires were really special? In the middle of the outpost, that's how Black Spire Outpost got its name, because it's blacker than the rest. Um, everyone has a different theories on what this is, so don't answer, because it happened so long ago. We're inspired by the lot of mysteries that we have on Earth that we don't have answers to. That's fair. I like that. Everyone has a story to tell on what the Black Spire is. Even parents have a bedtime story about its origins. There's no one, there's no one answer, but there is something unusual about it, and there's talk and whispers among the locals. Okay, so basically just no one knows what the fuck this is, and everyone's just like, oh, it's this, so what's that, but no one is really that it? knows. Yeah. Um, references and other tales, basically they're naming, like, where, you know, we've seen galaxy's edge and different books we've talked about that in the podcast before hmm. okay employees as characters we talked about this earlier each park worker or cast member will also be playing a character 
They might be serving up sandwiches. Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, guiding onto rides or cleaning up the grounds, but they also are being trained in improvisation and role play. Hmm. We're encouraging them to create their own identities and personas. They are local Batuans, but remember, some of these cast members might know nothing about Star Wars. We're encouraging <laughs> them to know about their daily lives, where you work, where you what you know you're going to sell, and who you're working for. Oh gosh, those employees, dude, they're just going to get hammered with questions. They're oh also being gosh. encouraged to talk politics, although <laughs> not, not Earth politics, don't worry. Um, no. Every worker will have an opinion on what's recently taken place here, which is the first order arriving a few weeks ago. There's a lot of gossiping, which is a lot of whispers and rumors what's going on. There might be cast members who are resistance sympathizers helping them out. There might be some cast members who are first order loyalists who are like, finally, order, my gosh, someone's going to do something with this place, right? That's interesting. Excuse me, sir. Hey, where can I find the bathroom? The first order has taken my daughter. I, 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 I don't know what to do. Sir, I just want the bathroom. The, hide your children. They're taking everyone. <laughs> They're stealing my children. Sir, I just want to know where I can find the bathroom. The children! <laughs> oh my god. You know there's going to be people like that. Well, do you know that uh, Liberty Square at uh, Walt Disney World doesn't have any bathrooms because they want to keep it as it was in, like, the older days? So maybe, like, Galaxy's Edge... Don't... They're not going to have bathrooms, so you can just, uh, so you, you can pinch a loaf, like, right in the middle of the sneaking walkway and some guys to clean it up. <laughs> okay, um, anyways, exploring the village, just months from opening, uh... Uh, Galaxy's Edge is still a work in progress. During our visit, masons were pounding in the stones for walkways. Plumbers were busy installing the refreshers. Okay, yeah, so there is going to be bathrooms. And landscapers were prepping to move trees and plant life. There are countless control panels and other objects that can be interacted with the Disney Play app. The marketplace will feature a water fountain that appears to be connected to a glass cistern. Every now and then... When a guest stops to take a drink, the eye stalk of a Dianaga creature, the water-dwelling thing that is a men that menace Luke, Leia, and Han, and Chewie in the Death Star trash compactor, will dart up, then vanish back into the pipes amid the sound of it squirming through the plumbing. Okay, that's, that's cute. I still can't get over is that the employees in there are going to have, like, they have to act the entire time they're working. That is going to be so funny. You have no idea. I I just can't wait because when people who like bring like vlog cameras and everything like try to talk to like the cast members just hearing what they'll have to say like that's going to be entertaining. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. The resistance sector. Out here you'll find a blue squadron X-ring parked at a low platform alongside a an A-wing finder. This area is meant to be part of Batu's tranquil river valley, where early planetary begins to set up their own community. These ruins are where the Rise of Resistance ride begins, and nearby is a gigantic scuttered starship. Keep in mind, Resistance doesn't think this home base is permanent. They are in a weekend, a weekend state, and if the First Order strikes, they'll have to take off in a hurry. Oh, here we go. They're here on Batuu out of necessity, but you'll have to visit the park and maybe see episode 9 to understand exactly why this place is important to both sides. 
Oh, there so go. there you go. That answers everything right there. It's going to be in episode nine. Yeah. yeah there we go. Want to know my point? What? Uh, so, ooh, that, that's actually a good plot point right there, maybe. Is that Batu is one of the only planets left that's not um, controlled by the First Order and or the Resistance? And there might be a big battle there to kind of figure out what um, what it can happen. It, or it's definitely one of those planets that has something that the Resistance and the First Order needs. Hmm. Uh, that's all. Hmm. Oh, no, I was just going to pull up the Chapter 4, which is our... Let's talk about Chapter 4, people want to hear. Let's talk about the stores that are going to be there. And so the first store that people are going to see is Stock Under's Den of um, Antiques. So this is going to be very similar to the Collector's... I think it's going to be like the Collector in Guardians of the Galaxy, how he has all those props and techniques... And so this guy, Doc Onder, he was inside the cantina um, in the 1977 um, New Hope. And so he's the guy that kind of influenced Dryden Voss a little bit. And he looms large over Galaxy's Edge. He's better known as Hammerheads after the nickname given to him when he first turned up in the cantina in 77. Um, he has a wisp of white hair and an elegant cloak swirling around him as he presides over his shop of artifacts. So inside you're going to see a whole bunch of cool stuff. Maybe like ship parts, stuff from all the way around, uh, from Hoth, from Kashyyyk. In this picture I see right here, that there's a Wampa. There's a whole bunch of First Order tech, Resistance tech, some crazy alien guys from Asteroids, some Asteroid stuff. It's um, it's a basically black market stuff that regular places wouldn't sell. Um, if you're from one somewhere in the galaxy and you have one-of-a-kind value, uh, valuable item, you want to sell come to bat too because this black spire outpost is looking for an infamous thorian this is very cool collectibles in the in the shop this is cool very cool okay second one is savvy's lightsabers this is crazy now this this is where it gets pretty interesting building lightsabers is not something first order occupiers in the black spire outpost would tolerate so savvy is keeping it low-key helping her equip the force sensitive warriors seeking a more elegant weapon so the lightsaber you know the typical lightsabers they have now um, just like the plastic piece of crafts that the kids all make and break and lose. Mm -hmm. So yeah. these are going to be $109. Holy shit. And the blade really? itself runs from $50 just for starters. So a typical blade could run from $50 to like $200. And so inside the shop employees are going to known as the gatherers. They have dedicated their life to balance the force and their knowledge of it. They're going to guide a tour with the gatherers to build their lightsabers. So maybe they're going to be like running through this place where they get to pick out their crystals and whatnot and like their lightsaber blades and everything like that and their hilts. It's pretty cool. Um, you could pick from anything dark side styles, elements, and nature. Uh, you know in the Clone Wars how the Wookiee Jedi had like this wooden lightsaber? Oh shit, do we get wooden lightsabers? Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit of that, a whole bunch of everything. Um, they run from Sith red to Jedi blue and green, Mace Windu purple. And it's just all about the kyber crystal you purchase. But you know what would be cool is that if you went in there and you had to like... And like all the crystals were like separate. So you had to pick like which one you wanted to do. I think that would be much more fun than actually picking something. <laughs> okay. Next shop. Mobu's Droid Depot. Um, four droids is display items. Just like the Jawa set up for Uncle Owen and Luke Skywalker. The original Star Wars. Yeah, this just kind of looks like a filler shop. Um, to be fully honest with you, this doesn't say much 
about what it is. It just I think it's one of the stories where you come in and it's just droid parts and they have all the droids on the walls. Yeah. Oh wow, okay. As with the lightsabers, each one you build is your specific specification so you can actually build a pretty cool droid here and from the looks of it these droids look pretty like lifestyle sizes i don't know i feel like that's just like a probably model they have yeah okay it's set up like a cafeteria there's a conveyor belt where you walk and choose the pieces assembly area um larger scale droids circulate around the shop while you work and parts of the protocol robots dangle from the conveyor hooks oh that's so cool um, oh, as you depart, there's even a jacuzzi for the droids outside. An oil bath, just like C-3PO got in the first Star Wars from when your robots need to unwind and refresh. Oh, that's pretty neat. Alright, I got this one. Um, Bina's Creature Stall. Remember everything in Galaxy's Edge and character, so you might not be buying a stuffed porg doll in the shop. You'll be buying a pet. The baby Tauntaun squawks and coos when you pet it. The miniature tentacle beast rathers, shudders savagely. The warp flog rashes out in its tongue. Later, animatronic versions of these creatures will populate in some of the cages and aquariums around the shop, but those aren't for sale. Tordarian Toy Shop. Star Wars loves puns, so of course this stalls overseen by one of the winged blue creatures similar to Watto. Again, this isn't Earth. It's a galaxy far, far away. So they won't be selling out or they won't be selling our action figures. The toys here are more kind of handmade stormtrooper young. Okay, so they're saying that the toys here are kind of like the little stormtrooper doll that Jin had in Rogue One. Oh, yes. Okay. And also well, didn't didn't Ray have a little like uh inside her ATAT? She had like a little um toy. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was like a toy X-wing. Yes. Yeah, X-Wing pilot doll that Ray had and she grew up idolizing. Um, the premise is that galactic kids like toys made out of their heroes. So they have dolls that look like Chewbacca, Ray, Finn, and Yoda, and even Kylo Ren. But I see a Porg and I see Watto. They look cute. Chewbacca looks kind of funny. Um, do you want to quickly talk about the Disney Parks app, though? Because I think we should probably talk about that just for just a second. It's not that long. I'm already reading about this Blue Milk stuff, the restaurant. So you can talk about that. All right. Star Wars characters have joys to help them explore the world. You'll have your smartphone. You'll have the Play Disney Parks app on the devices to learn more about events of unfolding and become part of the story themselves. So basically, like I was talking about, you'll go to places, you'll be able to scan stuff, we'll get more information. I mean, I guess it's interesting, but I don't go to a theme park to look at stuff on my phone. You know, exactly. like, I'll probably re- I'll probably read like forums about it and everything. Just be like, oh, like this is what happened when this happens. Like. I don't know. Maybe I'm just old fashioned. I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I just want to see everything instead of like relying on like technology. But yeah, it's going to kill your phone too. Yeah. As you walk through, there are amazing languages written on the walls and carved into stone. You'll hear characters speaking in their native alien tongue. The translate app is a way for you to actually understand what they're talking about. You can automatically hear audio or scan some of the written text. Okay. That's interesting. I kind of take that back now. Because they're really making this as interactive as possible. They really saw Harry Potter land and they're like, hold my beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like nothing. 
Uh, there's a story behind these supposed junk dealers. They're secretly aiding the resistance by manufacturing lightsabers for Force-sensitive allies. Another function of the Play Disney app is tuning. This means listening on other broadcasts happening between the Resistance First Order and various underworld gangs. There's communication going through the antennas that you that you see scattered about. To get an idea of what these transmissions are, you open your turn your tuning tool and you can locate transmissions that are being passed and forth. Okay. Um, getting hired. Who wants to take a job while you're on vacation at Disneyland? If that means joining the fight, either heroes and villains, Star Wars fans may consider signing up for duty. You'll never actually choose a side. It's not about waving a flag or putting on a uniform. Your unique story is di- dictated simply by the actions you take and which side you choose to support. It's also positive or possible to go rogue by siding with one of the local gangs who are playing both sides against each other. Okay. The Play app will allow visitors to incur- er, to engage with some of the full-scale droids rolling around the village, which will help them learn more about the world on the street. Alright, I'm done with this chapter. Okay. Alright. Let's talk about the most important part of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is the restaurants. Alright, so the first restaurant... Called, it's called Blue Milk. And so in there, what you guess they serve is Blue Milk. But for you lactose intolerant people of this world, do not worry because it is not milk. Um, it's actually plant-based dairy, so I am wrong. It was milk. Sorry. Um, it's essentially, <laughs> essentially rice milk, which makes it easier for everyone to enjoy. Even the, oh, even the lactose intolerant. I'm sorry. I was wrong again. You lactose intolerant people, you can once in your life drink blue milk. So basically they say it's just like a smoothie. You got green milk, which is the same substance, but with lemon. Oh, okay, so they're going to have different flavors. Like uh, blue milk is going to taste like raspberry. Green milk is going to taste um, like lemon. I don't suppose it's going to be that big. It's definitely going to be something you walk in. and uh, It's going to be like most tavern studio uh, from... Universal Studios, something very quick like that. Um, the next one is Oga's Cantina. Oga's Cantina will be the first place guests in Disneyland will be able to drink booze in Southern California. So this is what everyone's going to want to go to. Among the adult beverages is the Bloody Rancor, a variation of the Bloody Mary, a Fuzzy Tauntaun, Fuzzy Navel, and a Bespin Fizz, kind of a rum-based bubbling twist on the Cosmopolitan. Huh. I'll drink that. What would I like? Um. Okay. Well, uh, number one, uh, you've never uh, consumed alcohol before, so I don't know what you would like. I mean, I'll probably just put all three of those things on the table and just have you choose one. Oh yeah, Carlos is gonna get like all. <laughs> Carlos is gonna get all three of them in one serving. Dude. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, we do go to... We do... Because every time we go there, we have like... Every time we go to Disneyland, we have a routine. We go to Trader Sam's. We get a drink or two there. And then we go to uh, one of the places at the Disneyland Hotel. And we get the Dole Whip with rum in it. And then we go to California Adventure... Last time we were there, we went to that new restaurant and we had, I think I drank something. I don't think he did, but 
<sighs> so it looks like people are going to be there, but there's also going to be like droids like idling around. Uh, the character who most dominates this space is Rex, the RX24, the hapless droid who made all the wrong moves as the original pilot on the Star Tours ride in 1987. So he's kind of like the, uh, the screw up droid. Hmm. Next one, Docking Base 7. This looks pretty cool. Located in the heart of downtown Black Spire Outpost, you can spot this sit-down restaurant from around Galaxy's Edge. Okay, folks. If you know anything about Disneyland, when you hear sit-down restaurants, just think of a lot of money. Because this is what it's going to be. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of money. And you know what? I'm going to eat there. You know why? Because it is a lot of money. And I want to try it out. Oh shoot! Yeah, they got sh- they got Chef Strano. His name is nickname is Cookie. <laughs> his nickname is Cookie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's his kitchen. A modified um, uh, a modified transport. In other words, a flying food truck. The dropping off meals for the customers below, and the trailer sized food crates from themselves are marked with slight Easter eggs. Um, the first one is stamp 77, the middle one, which is dangling through an iris in the restaurant ceiling as it's delivered, is marked with an 80 and other one still aboard the ship number 83. Oh, geez. So, so it looks like from the photo we have here is that the restaurant is down at the bottom and the kitchen is upstairs. And so what it does is that these food come out in crates and they drop down to the kitchen floor where the waiters come and bring them to you. That is pretty cool. Hmm. Next one, Ronto Roasters. A Ronto is like the dinosaur-like four-legged lizard beast that a Jawa was seen riding through Moss Eisley. You remember that? Yeah. Despite the flightless dragons, Rontos are cow-like beasts of the burden. Ooh, they're also tasty. Um, in this food stand, a wary droid crank that spins slabs of their meat beneath a slow ooh, roaster made out of an old pod razor sir, engine. Ooh, the food is being cooked by the robot. It's just a prop. Real stuff. Actually, barbecue pork accompanied by grilled sausage and coleslaw and a chalupa is prepared in the kitchen. Oh, mercy. So if you guys are like meat eaters like Carlos and I, you guys are going to like this place. Okay, last one. Cat Saka's Kettle. Ooh. Cat Saka lives outside the city walls of Black Spire on a nearby farming homestead where the Saka family has been growing the grain they have into a fluffy flavored treat to peddle in the market alley. Basically space popcorn, which comes in a variety of sweet, salty, or spicy varieties. And that's it. Some good old space popcorn. Yeah, so um, definitely going to have to chart all these places, but I think the one that's going to get the most attention is that sit-down restaurant in that bar. I think the other places are going to be very occupied, but those places are going to be just crazy busy. Hmm. Chapter 7. Jesus. Are you An- already on Chapter 7? Anthony did his homework. He always does. He does really well with these articles. Have you ever like sat down or like read some of them before? Like, oh my god. He's nope. amazing. Uh-oh. Page not found. Are you kidding me? So what do you think of all this stuff so far while I try to get the... Um page back up i think this is huge and this is very unprecedented so i don't think anyone's going to be prepared for how big of a scope this is going to be 
I know starting off, they have all these fresh ideas. It may Some of them may work. Some of them may not work. I know definitely throughout the years, they're going to change how they do things and change some stuff. But this sounds just crazy. And how they're going to handle all this is <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so I'm getting the same problem you are where it's saying that the page is not being yes. found. So here, let me read. Chapter 8 is the photo of that store. Hmm. Shoot, so that's it, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's a gallery. There's, like, pictures. Did you look at yeah, all Yeah, that gallery was just that picture of um, chapter um, chapter 5 of that. Um, the- oh, okay. Okay, here, I actually got some stuff. Galaxy's Edge is the first time Disney parks will allow grown-ups to walk around in costume. At Black Spire Outfitters, you can get your own Jedi or Sith cloaks. Oh, shoot. For $200? Or if role-playing... I know. Or if role-playing isn't your thing, you can purchase these types of outfits with merely have a Star Wars vibe to them. So there's something called the Red Furry. The Red Fury. The Red Furry. <laughs> that would be uh, weird. Okay, so this is the nickname of the First Order 709th Legion. Unlike the 501st Legion of Stormtroopers, who do a lot of charity work and visit kids in hospitals, these bad guys are actually bad. They're currently trying to occupy Black Spire Outpost, and they welcome new recruits. Just buy a uniform and pledge your allegiance to the dark side. You can actually help evil triumph by using your phone. Okay. Okay, so the droids are actually, like, small. So, remember when you were talking about those droids before? Like, it's kind of like the... You know the, that BB-8 droid that you have? The one that you can control on your yeah. phone? They look like kind of that size. These are some of the custom droids you can assemble while Black Spire's top robotics warehouse. In the center is BB-8, the Cantina DJ Rex, and Starwall R2-D2. Check to... Or click here to learn about more about the droid shop. We already did. Droid Warware. Uh, this shows approximate size of Mobu's droids, and you can also choose. Okay, so. Oh, wow. Those droids are actually. They're pretty big. They're like the size of, you know, like a Build-A-Bear bear? Yes. Yeah, like they're like that size. Yes. All right. Doc Ondar's collectibles. Many of the more precious items inside of the collector's are not for sale, but he has quite a few relics, books, and goblets dedicated to the Jedi Order. So there's some, like, little replicas of, like, the members on the Jedi Council. You see Yoda, you see Mace Windu, you see some other people. And then Sith remnants, don't worry, evildoers. Doc Ondar has plenty of Sith merchandise for you, too. So you see... Uh, you see Darth Maul, you see just different Sith. Uh, they look like Grammys. You get a Sith Grammy. You get holocron cubes. You get uh, lightsabers. These are some of the kyber crystals serve many purposes. They're reachable tech inside of them, but can also be utilized as a key component in the handmade laser swords. Okay, these are some interesting looking lightsabers. Are you looking at this right now? Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, and then the rare Star Wars toys. Uh, we talked about that earlier, and that's it. We got through everything. Emily and I probably talk about this a little bit next week if she listens to this, but she'll probably be horrified listening to this of how (sighs) scattered it kind of was, but I think we did okay. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I thought it was very fun. Uh, What was the most interesting thing you saw? 
Propolis. Oh, that Rise of the Resistance. That's... <laughs> there's... That ride, from what it sounds like, it, they're going to... It's going to be walking, it's going to be riding, you're going to be trapped in a place. And for how they're going to handle that, I have no clue, but uh, they better handle it pretty well, because if they don't, that's going to be a six-hour wait. I could just look at Avatar Land. I wasn't a big Avatar fan. I know a lot of people are, um, but like those those wait times, thinking right when you get there, they're like three hours long. So Star Wars Land, there's a lot more Star Wars fans, in my opinion. That those rides are going to be double that, eight to six hours, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay, so. Chapter 7 was the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge food and how the food tells a story. So, Anthony put on Twitter that Tip Yip equals chicken, Ronto equals barbecue pork, Burra equals mahi-mahi, and Felucian Garden Spread equals meatless meatballs. Meatless meatballs? How do you go about that? Oh my god, it's all the pictures of the food. Hmm. Alright, so... You have a noodle salad in our world. This shrimp with marinated arrowwood noodle salad in the galaxy. This is uh, a native to Naboo, a delicacy by the Gungans. Okay, so then you have something called it. Okay, um, are you looking at this right now? Because this mm. is important. This is food. This is this is our part of the. Keep going. The keep Disney going. parks is the food. All right, something called the Ronto Wrap. In our world, barbecue pork with grilled sausage, coleslaw, and peppercorn sauce. In the galaxy, a Ronto is the giant dinosaur-like domesticated beast that Jawas ride through the Moss Eisley on Tatooine. So, barbecue pork. Okay. And it looks like they're, it looks like they're little hot dog things. All right. Fried and Dorian Tip Yip. In our world, fried chicken breast with mashed potatoes and mixed vegetables. In the galaxy... Tip Yip are the frightless birds found among the Ewoks and the green moon of Endor. Okay. Kadu ribs. In our world, barbecue pork ribs with blueberry cornbread. Ooh, that looks good. In the galaxy, it is a featherless, ostrich-looking creature. The Gungans ride onto the Battle of the Phantom Menace. Hmm. Okay. Um, the Felucian Garden Spread. In our world, for vegetarians, meatless meatballs made out of vegetable kefta and herbs of... Hummus, tomato, cucumber salad, and pita bread. In the galaxy, still meatless. This is a protein from the world Felucia. It's known for its vast array of colorful plant life. All right, I kind of go on about food, but I don't think anyone really cares except for us. <laughs> All right, but here's dessert. A raspberry cream puff topped with passion fruit mousse and chocolate cake with white chocolate mousse and chocolate flavored custard or coffee flavored custard. In the galaxy, Star Wars culinary masters are still working on the backstory. <laughs> um, and then they show the drinks. Looks like they have like little little things of the drinks. Like they have like a lime on one of them. It looks like it looks like a donut. It looks like they have like a donut thing on top of the blue milk. So. What else is there? The Yub Nub. Oh my god, they're naming a drink Yub Nub? That's funny. Perfect. All right. There should be a place called like Neeb Nub's Restaurant where they serve, where they serve like brisket and steak. That would be so cool. Hmm. 
But I, I don't know. I think my favorite thing out of this article was about how Hondo is going to be part of the Falcon ride. I think that's really interesting. I didn't think that they would actually do that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hondo, how he's going to tie in with everyone else. I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, it should be. All right, so we have a couple of more questions. Okay. From our listeners. <laughs> so, Space Jess asks, what's your favorite thing to eat at Chili's? <laughs> My favorite thing to eat at Chili's is, right now, it is the chicken fajitas. Um, they come, the chicken fajitas, and you get a side of flour tortillas, throw them on the tortillas, and they are very good. But I also like the steak there, too. It's very delicious. Oh, we never answered Simon's question on what you think about Applebee's. What I think about Applebee's? It's an American association. What's not like? What's not to like about it? So, Applebee's, I mean, it's good. It's not that expensive, but I, uh, I, it's not as good as Chili's, in my opinion. I used to prefer Applebee's over Chili's, but I think when I gave Chili's a second chance, because we used to go a couple years back, and then I used to get those chicken crispers that were really good. Oh, yeah, that's right. The spicy ones were really good, too, or they, I forget what they're called, but yeah, I recommend getting those. Uh, but I, I usually get the bacon burger, and that's really good. And then their appetizers are good, too. You can't go wrong with their chips. I mean, if you have the chilies, uh, I don't think it's app, but I think it's just like a, if you have a phone number with them, you get like a free chips and salsa every time you go. So, I mean, like, that's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. We have some more questions for you. Jeez. Gosh darn. Jesse from Are You a Creepy Pod? Mm-hmm. Do you listen to their uh podcast? Yes, very great podcast. Those two young ladies are incredible. I know. It's always a fun listen because I'm I'm like not into spooky stuff at the same time, like I'll listen to it. Like they had an episode talking about Ed Lorraine Warren who uh they do the like you know the conjuring movies and all that stuff? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, they talk about them. And that's really interesting. They do a lot of research for their podcast, which is really impressive. Yeah, I'm not a scary person per guy whatsoever, so they kinda gave me the E B G B's. All right, so Jesse's wondering what we would fight about when we were wee little browns. <laughs> oh gosh, that's going way back. What would we fight about? Oh, jeez. What would we fight about? Where we would go for dinner. That was a very big one. We still fight about no. that to this day. I don't think I think we fight about it more now. I just think that we're for some reason we're just incapable of making decisions on food. I think just making decisions in general. But I mean, like Carlos and I always have that. Not it's not an argument. We don't. But it just it's always like we went for dinner, and I never know. So he's the precious human being that he is. He's always like, okay, well, what'd you have for dinner last night? You know, what'd you have for dinner the night before? And then that's how we narrow it down. What would we fight about, though? Honestly. 
I don't really think we ever did, which is a really boring answer. But I think that when Brandy and I would play with like with our Polly Pockets and you wanted to play, we would close the door on you. You do that thing where you would act like that you're falling or that we pushed you and then you just start screaming. And then mom would just be like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, I, I know what you're doing. Next question. What else do we fight about? Um, You'd always ask a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I can never keep my mouth shut and I still can't to this day. No, that's just me. You're you're being too. What else? I feel like some other stuff too. What did you never fight about? What do we never fight about? Oh mm-hmm. gosh. Jeez. You you and Brandy would always pick on me. You would always team up with Brandy, and it was always <laughs> either. Oh no, we we never really fought. I mean, like we got along as kids. I mean, like I think that would just be a Brandy and I question, but I don't think I'd ever get Brandy on the podcast. I'd I'd be very surprised if that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, I really can't answer that because um, we never fought about a lot of things, and it like looking back, it's really hard to think what it was. Yeah, but I mean, when you when you would do the thing where you would fake falling or fake something, I mean, that was when you were like two or three, so yeah. you never used to do that. I mean, you used to do the thing on vacation, so you would fake being sick, but no, I uh, no, well, I was sick this last vacation. Yeah, you uh, were having hot flashes. I had bronchitis. Yeah, but you were telling the doctor that you were having hot flashes. <laughs> and and when the doctor asked you if you had asthma, you said, no, but I had asthma when I was euthanized. I was half asleep. Can you just leave me alone? Will you stop picking on me about that? Oh, yeah, here we go. What would we fight about when we were we little browns? See, we're fighting right now because you like to make fun of me about that when I was half asleep and I was sick. Sick woman. Yep. All right. Um, fuck Mary Kill, Elsa, what? Anna, and Olaf. Wait, wait, wait. What were the three? Elsa, Anna, and Olaf. From Frozen? Mm hmm. You're kidding me. Nope. <laughs> Jesse sent these in. Jesse McGarity? Mm hmm. Oh my gosh. How'd she pick those three? Jeez Louise. I don't know. We've talked about before why we all like Frozen, and maybe she just wants to know how you feel about these characters. All right, so you have to answer because I'll answer too. <laughs> well, Olaf can't. D- oh, well, yeah. Well, if Olaf comes to California when it's uh, during June or July, he's definitely gonna melt. Wait, hold on. He can't die, Brittany. You can't kill Olaf because he's always gonna have that cloud over his head and it's always snowing. He doesn't have a brain or skull, if you've seen the movie, so it's very impossible to kill Olaf. So then you just kill him and he come back to life. So there you go. So yes. that's your kill. So who are you going to fuck and who are you going to marry? I don't use the F word <laughs> in cases like these because I feel like it's very rude and immature to say that. Um, I call it one night stand and marry. That's what I, that's what I call it. Who will you wed? Who will I marry? Sure. 
princess. Um, which is the one with the with it shoots out the snowflakes? That's Elsa. Okay. Um, I feel like Anna's more energetic and has looks like she has a great time and she has a good personality. So I'd probably marry Anna then I'd have one night stand with Elsa after I learned that she can do all that stuff. Alright, yeah, I'd uh, kill Olaf, marry Anna, and fuck Elsa. Have a one night stand with Elsa. Sure, have a one night stand with Elsa. Um, we have an email from Kendo Bitch Number One, Dom Legapsby. Uh, oh asked, gosh. He's asking when are we going to Tijuana with Hawes? <laughs> Wait, so I wasn't there for that conversation. So like tell me how that went. Oh, with the whole t- Tijuana thing. Mm-hmm. I know we're we're just hanging out. We were talking about places we want to go and um cuz Dom used to live in San Diego and he's like, "Rusty, have you ever been to Tijuana?" And I said, "I oh, know, I've never been to Tijuana." And of course, Hodge is sitting at the end of the table, and he's like, "Buddy, we gotta go to Tijuana." <laughs> and um, I said, "Okay." And Hodge is like, "We're going to Tijuana," <laughs> and that's how it all started. And we still haven't picked a date yet. We were gonna go that night, but um, you would have been very mad. Carlos would have been very mad, and Jesse and Will would have been very mad because we would have all ditched you guys. That's a far drive to Tijuana, though, from where we were in Hollywood, and we would have gone to... Oh, it was only about two hours. It's only two hours going down the 5 South. All right, only two hours. Um, But when are we going? <laughs> Dom, that's up to you, man. I, I'm free any, I'm free Monday through Thursdays and Sundays after 2 o'clock. So you just let me know, and we can go down. I have a passport. We can make a fun day out of it. And, dude, I'm looking forward to it. Bring Cos with you. Haas is the one who set all this up. When when are we going, Haas? I don't know. But just let me know. We will go. We'll have to set something up with Haas to Brittany, to you're not Brittany, you're not invited. Oh, okay. You're not Brittany, Brittany, we're going to Tijuana. It's it's Haas Dom and I. Brittany, you're not invited. Okay. No, I was just saying that maybe during celebration we could all plan something with like Haas and Jesse and everyone else. Yeah, but not Tijuana. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I I know that Tijuana is probably a dude's trip, so I'll let it be a dude's trip. Oh man, we're just gonna be one heck of a time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't really think there's anything else to add to this episode other than props to the Braz for uh that wonderful article about galaxy's edge um i think that it was perfect for rusty and i to talk about this because we're both avid disney park goers and we're fans of obviously disney parks and everything in them the secrets of the parks everything else so i couldn't have found a better person to podcast with tonight thank you for recording with me rusty it's not like i had a choice but thank you for having me on Brittany. yeah but i mean it was a good episode, I think. Do you think it was, it was good? Well, I sure hope so. And I sure hope it turns out good. And if it didn't, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, Rusty, where can you find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rusty Brown with two N's because at Rusty Brown with one N was already taken. Perfect. Um, so you can find me on Twitter as Canto Brit and Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. You can follow Emily on Instagram and 
Twitter as EFLind. You can find the show on Twitter at CantoBitePod. Also, CantoBitePod on Instagram. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. It helps the show grow, helps us get new listeners. So, all right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. And Emily will be here. She will be here. I can't wait to talk to her again. See how her week's going. See how she feels about all these news. So, yeah. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you next time. Say bye now. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, Kanto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, because this is it. Fuck all the rest, be a Kanto bitch. Brittany, the Jinj, and Emily Lind. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Kendall Bitch number one.